0: Hello, and welcome to the Keep It Local Maine podcast, where we tell the stories of local business owners, artists, and entrepreneurs, and learn more about what they do, who and what inspires them, their challenges, successes, and more. My name is Todd Regalinski.
1: And I am Kimberly Regalinski.
0: And we are the publishers of Keep It Local Maine, a magazine that helps to showcase local businesses to the people in and around their communities. Thank you for tuning in to our weekly podcast that you can subscribe to on most streaming services, such as Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, and others. You can learn more about us at Keep At localmaine.com and follow us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube through the links in the show notes in this episode we'll be talking with van and sumit sharma the co-founders of rupee beer sumit and van sharma always found it frustrating the indian beer giants never distributed to states like maine in the early 90s both of them grew up in the indian restaurant trade which their family has been in for over 45 years but it wasn't until COVID that they both ended up living in maine after being overseas in the uk and australia During that time, they set out to change the food and beverage arena in a bold, diverse, and innovative way. After partnering with global brewing legend, Alan Pugsley, co-founder of Shipyard Brewing Company, they have taken what has started as an idea to solve a problem of sourcing Indian beer in Maine and grown it into a dialogue of increasing ethnic diversity within the craft brewing scene. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Weather is getting warmer and it's project planning season, which means you should call Maine Commercial Contracting, your locally owned choice for residential and commercial services in Southern Maine. They'll be there for that new driveway, walkway, or excavation for your home and for your business with parking lot paving, road milling, heavy hauling, and competitive commercial pricing. So when you need your project done right and on your timeline, get a hold of the company with the appetite for excellence and the skills to see it through. Call Maine Commercial Contracting at 207-391-0540 for a free estimate or find them online at mainecommercialcontracting.com.
1: Welcome to the show, Van and Sumit. We're so glad that you're here with us today.
2: Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Yes.
1: Yes, been so so excited to talk to you guys and just learn more about Rupee Beer. So, you started this company because Indian beer really wasn't easy to get in Maine, obviously. So, can you describe how beer from India and specifically Rupee is different from beer that people in Maine would normally find?
2: Yeah, totally. I guess I can jump in there. Um, I guess kind of bringing it to life a little bit more, uh, when our parents moved to or immigrated to Maine in the early 90s, um, they opened some of the first ethnic Indian restaurants across the state. So we were in that business. We had a restaurant in Portland, Brunswick, and Bangor. Mm. And from that, in the 90s, a lot of uh, specific international beer distributors just had no appetite for wanting to distribute beer to Maine. Uh, Mm. For them, it was a loss make. Driving this far north, and really sort of, you know, doing those runs, it wasn't profitable. Mm-hmm. So that was something always in the back of our heads growing up in the in the restaurant business our entire lives. And from that, we spent a series of time after college overseas. I lived in London for 10 years. It was in Australia. And when we came back to Maine during COVID, we were helping out with our family's businesses mm-hmm. and noticed the same problem that we saw in the 90s spark back up again, which was during COVID, huge disruption in the supply chain. A lot of beer containers just weren't shipping to the United States. Mm -hmm. So Indian beer, once again, became really scarce. So we were like, let's take that idea we had when we were younger and come up with a product that actually is made for Indian cuisine.
1: Mm. We're
2: super respectful of some of the larger players in the space when it comes to Indian beer, Asian beers, but we wanted to do something different. We knew we could come up with something more specifically made and crafted for The food we grew up on Mm. so yeah we essentially you know worked really hard on getting a recipe that works and pairs extremely well with spicy food with indian cuisine with other types of world flavors Mm -hmm. and from that strength to strength yeah rupee came to life it's a beer made specifically to pair with you know ethnic and and spicy cuisine Mm. and yeah its journey has been a lot more based around the science behind brewing so we're really working with some really great partners to help us bring that recipe to life with, you know, pooling resources here in Maine. And from that, it's a craft beer. So it's not mm-hmm. as mass produced as some of the other larger international players that you'll mm-hmm. see at most Indian restaurants or Asian restaurants across the world.
0: Wow. That's so cool. That is just, just such a great example of an idea doesn't always need to be implemented or it's not always the right time for an idea the first time you have it. Mm-hmm. And it's so great that you guys like you were able to come back to that idea or that thing that you had noticed years before and go, okay, now's the time. Mm. That's I, I just love that idea.
2: The universe works in interesting ways. And yeah, I feel like timing is so important for any product launch or any entrepreneur wanting to do something. So yeah, mm-hmm. it totally makes sense.
0: Yeah. And especially the fact that you had kind of that ground level view of your parents being in the restaurant business. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, kind of seeing how the behind the scenes stuff works and knowing like, Oh, well the reason why this isn't happening is because of this. Mm-hmm. And so that, that really just helps to fill in all that background. That's awesome. So when you, when you talk about your developing this beer, I'm, I'm just a little curious, how much of the of your development process was recipe and how much was brewing mm-hmm. techniques? I mean, is it, is it a fundamentally different brewing process for an an Indian style lager, or is it is it similar to that and it's really the recipe?
2: Totally. So when this project also you know got more, you know, it got going and really sort of started to come to life, Sumit and I knew that we weren't, you know, from the craft beer space. We're not beer brewers. That's not our background. Uh, we come from a background of startups as well. So we definitely had more of the commercial knowledge and, and sort of interest there, but we knew on the brewing side that wasn't our specialty. So when we were looking at specific brewing houses across the world, we literally, you know, from Germany to Canada, down to Asia, it just so happened that a goldmine of a resource lived down the road from our parents' house in Portland. And I'm speaking (laughs) about Alan Pugsley. Um, Mm -hmm. In case you haven't heard of him, he's often referred to as the Johnny Appleseed of craft brewing. (laughs) He's been instrumental in really reviving the craft brewing scene across the Northeast. Um, He's a British expat and he's launched a few different brands, most notably he's the co-founder of Shipyard, which I'm sure all of you are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that resource came about, we worked strategically with Alan on coming up with a brief of what we were looking for, but also really to move the project along, holding various taste testings at our parents' restaurants with different types of you know Indian dishes from various parts of India, different spice levels, and also importing in as many international beers as we could to really figure out, all right, we like this, we don't like that, we want this, we don't want that. And from the brewing process and through all that research and development and working on various pilot brews with Alan, we really wanted to make sure that you know we found a beer, a lager, that was a really sort of specific point as well, since we were looking for something super light, super refreshing, and really easy to drink and smooth. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from sort of all that sort of trial and testing of various uh, sort of key factors we were looking for, we knew that we wanted to brew a beer that if you go to an Indian restaurant, you're not going to feel uncomfortably full after you've combined Indian food with a traditional gassy beer. We -hmm. really wanted to eliminate that process. That's not fun on a Friday or Saturday if you've gone out for a meal and you're pairing it with a gassy beer Mm. to have that uncomfortable kind of gassy feeling or fizzy feeling floating around. So we wanted to eliminate that, Mm -hmm. but also just create something super easy to drink. So it's um, inspired from an Indian recipe our grandparents actually many generations ago, we grew up in India, uh, our, our grandparents did on a farm, so an agricultural business. So they actually used to brew specific home brews as well. Mm-hmm. So taking from that and really utilizing science to bring down the carbonation levels, yeah, we were really specific in you know wanting to perfect the recipe and make something super enjoyable when mm-hmm. you're eating Indian food.
1: So there is really just this, this huge science piece to it, obviously. But one of the questions I have, and this might be a silly question is like, what are, can you tell me like, what is in it? Like, what are some of the spices? I know maybe it's a secret recipe and you can't give that away, but what are some of the, like the traditional type spices that make it so unique and make it, you know, an Indian beer?
2: Totally. So we're obviously brewing with some very unique hops. Uh, We've incorporated basmati or rice in general to really give it more of a smooth taste. Um, so, mate, do you want to talk about some of the tasting notes and more specifically some of the hops that we have?
3: Yeah, definitely. So we use three different types of premium hops and a total of five different malts, including, as mm-hmm. uh, Van just mentioned, some basmati rice and the um, the rice or the maize. And overall, the beer has been getting great feedback on its taste. Uh, when we started, we were you know, trying to get a beer that was very smooth, very clean, and easy drinking. Uh, We didn't want anything overly bitter uh, that could tarnish your palate while you were eating a nice meal. It's delicate enough where you can also, we've been getting feedback, people have said that they can enjoy it on its own or with even something as delicate as lobster or seafood. Um, But overall, yeah, we were going for something to be smooth. Uh, We like to say it's uh, smooth like an ale and refreshing like a lager. And I would say that sums it up very well. Um, obviously, as Van also mentioned, the carbonation, we tried to make it a little bit lower than normal so you don't get that uncomfortable, full feeling while you're eating. And yeah, just overall, it's been a clean, easy drinking beer. There might be some other things involved, but I don't know if we can give away all of our secrets today.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Kim is Kim
0: is infamous for wanting people to give away just all their secrets on the podcast. I don't, I don't know why she does that. She just to like stir things up. That's what it
3: is. <laughs> No, you got to ask. You got to ask.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you got to ask. You just don't expect an answer.
3: <laughs> yeah, but definitely it was a, a rec- I would say a recipe forward uh, process. Going back to the original question, I would say a recipe forward process, but the brewing process, we still obviously have a high uh, deal of regard for that, obviously in terms of quality and consistency also.
2: Mm-hmm. Alan is all about consistency and quality. So he's done a lot on monitoring, you know, making sure even where we're brewing in our facilities, are up to standard on having you know the water be at a certain mm-hmm. level, or all the logistics and science behind brewing, since craft brewing is also a science. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things behind the scenes that really uh, you know really take precedence when you mm-hmm. are in that space. So even for Sumit and I, being first time you know entrance into this sort of craft brewing space, we have had to upskill and learn so much about that industry as well. So it's just equally you know fascinating for us to as we grow and learn and evolve and grow, you know, and, and the brand develops, really see cool things, you know, within the space itself.
0: Mm. So there's a lot of ways to, to pair wine or beer or spirits with different dishes. And, and I, I know that as we've talked, this has kind of been part of your thought in, in the process of making rupee. And I love the fact that when you described it, it, you say it's delicate enough to pair with even something like lobster and things like that. Do you have any other non-Indian foods that you think that rupee would go well with?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally. So I would say um, we've been seeing a lot of interest from restaurant owners also and individuals uh, just because of the overlap in the cuisines and the cultures um, in Caribbean food. Obviously, Caribbean, a lot yeah. of Indian influence uh, due to immigration. So they have their different types of curries that they make there. And then also mm. in Thailand, obviously, you go to Thai restaurants, you can get a green curry, yellow curry. Um, mm-hmm. The flavors are a lot of overlap with Indian food. So that spicy element uh, plays in very well there also. And just going back to the tasting notes, um, the beer also from that that maize and the, um, the rice, the basmati rice we use, it incorporates mm-hmm. a nice like subtle malt sweetness to the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that counters and pairs very well with spicy food to kind of counteract or counterbalance that spiciness with a little bit of sweetness. So it, mm-hmm. it goes very well in that regard as well. That's
1: great.
0: Yeah, it it has to be difficult in a way to make sure you're you're walking that line of something cuz you want the you want the beer to have a flavor and a taste of its own so that it can stand alone but when you're dealing with uh, foods that have a lot of different layers of spice mm-hmm. you have to kind of respect that and that that had to have been kind of a difficult process of going back and forth. I imagine there was a lot of like stops and starts with that.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think there was lots in the in the development of just sort of tasting various products of what's on the market down to the actual pile of brews that we hosted. Yeah, a lot went into really figuring out the perfect jig. And I think, mm. you know, for us, we wanted to also have something that was really signature and Ruby really standing out from a taste perspective with some of the larger other Indian competitors on the market. And yeah, we spent a lot of resource and time on, on trying to really make sure that we were comfortable with the recipe we were putting out. So yeah, I think you know, the finish now and the taste is exactly where we want it to be. We find it being super balanced. And as someone mentioned before, initially this was a you know a project that we wanted to have a beer that we could serve at our parents' restaurant and it kind of be the flagship sort of lager. And from that, we're grateful it's grown into something a lot larger. And now every day, you know, various interests from you know, Thai restaurant tours, Caribbean restaurant tours, Asian restaurant tours saying, Hey, listen, I'd love to get Ruby on our beer menu at a Thai restaurant. And we didn't envision that. Because it was very niche, right? The product mm-hmm. and, and the vision of what we were hoping to do when we started. And now it's slowly really, you know, Middle Eastern restaurants. And, and from that, really kind of branching out into being more of a universal beer that pairs well with just kind of world flavors. Because mm-hmm. for, for a long time, I feel like the ethnic restaurant space, the ethnic food scene, hasn't really had that culture or connection around, you know, wine or beer pairing. It just mm-hmm. never really came together. So mm. for us also to be in that space, it's really cool to see and really cultivate that kind of a sort of, I guess, emergence of, you know, really thinking strategically about pairing, you know, interesting wines and interesting craft beers with more ethnic flavors. We haven't seen that happen as much before.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point I, because I've mm-hmm. seen that a lot with, you know, of course, you know, you go to a craft brewery and, and they'll have, oh, and you could, this, pairs, this brew of ours pairs with this. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially if if importers were kind of slow to the, to the game or, or kind of reluctant to import way up to Maine, not having a lot of selection, it's tough to do those, those types of pairings. Yeah.
2: Totally. I feel like, you know, the French restaurants or Italian restaurants significantly and always have, you know, had that kind of affinity where they can suggest a wine or specific Mm -hmm. beverage to pair with types of food. The Indian restaurant space still isn't there. So I think, you know, being in that space, we really want to, know take beverage and and make it more part of the conversation at the dinner table. So yeah, it's a it's it's it's, it's a movement and we're sortly, you know, solely in that sort of process and dialogue right now.
3: Yeah, and also I would say a lot of beers or wines when they're produced, they're not necessarily being produced with a specific cuisine in mind. They're not being specifically brewed for food. After the fact that they are produced, people will suggest different types of uh, cuisine or food that they may pair with. But from the start, that was our vision. We want to specifically make this beer for food, uh, certain types of food.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's and that's interesting too, because yeah. I, I hadn't even thought of it that it's way. So cool. But yeah, it's, it usually is an after the fact sort of thing. Like, oh, this would go well with, rather than we want this to go with.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. From yep.
0: kind of from the outset. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And one thing I'm now realizing as we're probably hurtling towards midway through the the episode is I've completely neglected to ask, how did you choose the name mm. Rupee for your uh, beer?
2: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, a lot of thinking behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, from us, like our network of having friends and family all across the world, pulling folks to really sort of get behind their psychology, what they're thinking in terms of brand recognition and name was one part of it. But I guess at the end of the day, it came down to you know, working with our lawyers and our legal counsel on what you can actually trademark and go with in copyright. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I think some of our first contenders didn't work out just because of uh, various legal conflict you know, conflicts in the space. Uh, but Rupee, I think, worked out. And I always, I'm a big believer. I feel like everything always works out the way it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a reason why. And I think looking back now, Rupee, it's not only the currency of India, but seven, uh, seven other countries around the world as well. And I think also it's just iconic, especially for an Indian, Um, you know, with the dollar obviously is to the States, the rupee is to to India. So in that sense, we just thought it had a really great ring to it. It's iconic. People from South Asia are going to know what it is. Mm. Uh, But still, it's easy to pronounce on a larger scale. And yeah, it kind of also pays homage to, you know, Sumit and I's entrepreneurial spirit of growing up in a family of entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, We just thought it fit and yeah, I'm really happy. I think there was a few other contenders that were on the table, but Rupee just worked out.
1: That's great.
0: Yeah. And and I just want to tell you guys as someone who who works with graphics, your your branding, like labeling,
1: yeah.
0: graphics are outstanding. Fantastic. I I love the look. It's very it's kind of instantly recognizable and also mm-hmm. really just nice to look at. It so it really is. You thank,
2: you yeah, I mean, thank you. That means a lot. We're we're still a startup, so we've definitely had to bootstrap and do as many things in-house as possible. But yeah, I love hearing that. Appreciate that. Thank you.
1: So can you tell me what has been one of the biggest lessons that that you both have learned in the, in the last two years?
2: I could start. I guess for me, hands down, it's been patience. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think with launching during COVID and being mm-hmm. around during that time of just really even finding places to manufacture the beer and produce the beer down to all of the legal sort of stuff, because I always joke with Summit and we always say we've entered one of the most regulated industries in the United States. Mm-hmm. So you can't snap your finger and be in five states overnight. It takes a lot longer to really hit at it. And it's a, it's a lot more, um, yeah, it just takes time with everything from launching into new markets down to just getting a new product and skew up and running. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more regulated and it's a lot more time consuming. So mm-hmm. for me, I think being such a fast paced person the patience has been really tested, <laughs> especially during COVID when things were working a little yeah. bit slower. Um, but yeah, I think uh, anyone in this space will probably definitely say the same thing. Beer is not as, you know, if you want to go fast, uh, I would say that, you know, the beer space, probably not the most ideal market or place mm-hmm. to operate in since things take a little <laughs> bit longer. And there's a lot of rules and regulations in a highly regulated industry. Hmm. Yeah. Well,
0: at the very least, you're not you're not dealing with spirits where you're now waiting five or six years for stuff to age in barrels. So I guess you're having- <laughs> at least true, that
2: yeah. I would go crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or wine, where you're like, oh, yeah. 10, 12 years from now, it'll be perfect. <laughs> oh no,
2: what am I gonna do till then? Yeah, patience is key. I think as a brewer, as someone in the space, yeah, you gotta have patience. Mm-hmm. Nice. And what about you, Sumit?
3: Yeah, I would definitely say just coming more from like, I guess, if anyone else is looking to do like any sort of startup or start their own business, um, uh, being like a smaller guy in the craft brewery industry, a smaller brand, um, entering in discussions with different out of state distributors and different uh, stores, restaurants, uh, you're not necessarily going to be anyone's priority since you are kind of low on the totem pole. So you kind of have to make yourself a priority for these people, uh, by showing them your value, your worth, a unique proposition, um, mm-hmm. and try to show them the vision. Otherwise mm-hmm. they're not going to give you the time of day.
1: Mm.
3: So you gotta make, uh, you gotta make yourself other people's priority. Totally. Yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. And, and what, do you have any practical ways that you do that or, or that you would kind of recommend, or is mm-hmm. it just kind of like each individual relationship, each individual instance is just that much different?
3: Yeah, there's different ways you can definitely do it. Obviously, one of the um, the ways that it worked out for us was obviously our credibility in the beer space by working with Alan. Obviously, Alan is a huge mm-hmm. figure in craft brewing. When we mention his name, people obviously know him. Uh, that obviously mm-hmm. uh, boosts our credibility. People will pay uh, give you more attention when you say that. Mm-hmm. Then other ways are just uh, showing out-of-state distributors or in whatever business model you're working with, what makes your product very unique, how you're differentiating yourself and getting them excited about your product?
2: It's a cluttered market, right? So you can go to your local liquor store, you can go to Whole Foods. There's dime a dozen craft breweries and brewers out there. I mean, we're in Maine, right? So (laughs) we're in a Mecca of great beer. So I think uh, with any brand, everyone's trying to make noise. Everyone's trying to promote their product. So yeah, just kind of figuring out where you fit in. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Ruby kind of feels like our story of being and growing up in Portland as well. I think in that sense, moving from overseas, to a place like Portland and being unique and different. We didn't see anyone like us really growing up in North Deering in Portland, growing up some of the two only Indian kids in the school. And then now like same thing with this beer, right? It's one of the only kind of players in the space right now. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you just gotta, you know, I guess create your own destiny.
1: Yeah. It's you're you're repeating your story. That's Yeah. yeah. That's so cool.
0: So one of the things that you had mentioned uh, that we have mentioned in your bio is, is diversity, inclusion. How do you feel your company has helped to increase that dialogue of diversity, inclusion in that craft brewing space?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, even just in Maine alone, I mean, I was living overseas for about 10 years. I came. I was born in London and then we moved to Maine and grew up here. And then after college in Boston, I, I got a job and moved to back to the UK. So I came back and Portland was really cool again. I was like, whoa, like there's so many craft breweries mm-hmm. here. There's a whole culture of around so many things that didn't exist when I was growing up. So kind of also just seeing where Portland is today and more specifically talking about beer, when you look around, yeah, most brewers don't look like us. So I think there, you know, we've been in so many conversations and so many mm. beer tastings and so many various meetings that with specific breweries, with consultants, with investors, and we're often the only people of color or you know, diverse names in the room. So it's definitely no it's definitely noted that the space definitely could use more um we always say you know we're spicing up the industry a little bit the mm-hmm. indian and bringing a little love it. uh, a little masala to the to the playing field but i think yeah traditionally it's a space that isn't known to be diverse um especially if you're indian i think when you're growing up in our community the idea is not to be a brewer it's more to be you know become a doctor become a lawyer so i think in our there's also just a lack of representation and, yeah, being from Maine and in this space as well and with our restaurant background, yeah, I think for us it's really about kind of you know trying to game change and, and hit at it from a different angle and uh, but also just kind of wanting to create a product that we wanted. So, yeah, we definitely mm. think that we've increased uh, conversation and just even representation in the room, mm. which for a while we never saw anyone really sort of be in. And also along with that, I think it comes with just having to upskill your knowledge. So we've had to mm. do so much behind the scenes in terms of just really – you know bringing our knowledge of of craft beer in that space in the beverage world up to a certain degree to really mm. make sure that when we are in those kind of conversations with people that have been in the business for like over 50 years that we sound credible. Mm. <laughs> so it's a lot of a lot of work behind the scenes also to really make sure that you know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I imagine that as well that your willingness and your eagerness to learn and to and the fact that you have absorbed a lot of that information goes a long way Mm -hmm. as well in, in talking with some of those people. I've I've been, I've been brewing for 50 years and, and, you know, who are these, you know, young kids coming in and, Oh, wow. They're, they're working really hard to, to learn all this stuff.
2: All right. hundred percent. Let me,
0: let me, let me see how I can help them. Let me see how I can work with them. That's gotta, that's gotta have some sort of influence as well. You know, the hard work you guys have put in.
2: We're trying, yeah. We're hustling.
1: <laughs> I, and I yeah. love that quote. I love that quote that you just said. You're spicing up the industry.
2: I yeah, absolutely, definitely. I feel like I think, that needs to be on yeah. a t-shirt. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that is so that. cool.
1: <laughs> so one of the things that we that we always like to ask, because there's so many different answers to this question, is how do you define success?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I guess for me, I mean, I worked in sales for 10 years. So <laughs> I guess coming from like a KPI driven environment, my whole professional career, for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a numbers person. So uh, going back to the point about patience as well, I am just a very big picture macro thinker. So we want to grow Ruby to be a large scale household brand. So mm. for us, I think, you know, first top tier vision is we want to be in every Indian restaurant across the United States. Nice. That's kind of what success looks like for us. That for us also with our background of where we grew up in the Indian restaurant space our entire life. That would be such a great feeling to have mm. uh, and also kind of still have a pocket in the door in the Indian restaurant space in some a different capacity through the beverage lens. So for me, success is really driven around the distribution of having ruby mm-hmm. available across the United States and also new markets. And we're working on that right now.
1: That's fantastic.
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, being able to go into any Indian restaurant in the U.S. or even abroad, uh, you know, our family, we like to travel quite a bit whenever we go, uh, go abroad. We obviously like to eat the the local cuisine, but we always make it a point to try to go to at least one Indian restaurant wherever we go. Mm. So we've been to some interesting countries and there always seems to be at least one Indian restaurant. And it'd be a great mm. feeling you know, just to go in there and see rupee on the menu, like anywhere in the mm. world you go.
2: You go to a Thai restaurant, right? And it's like Singha. You go to a Japanese restaurant, I'll have Sapporo or Kirin. Yep. Uh, you know, a Mexican restaurant, Dos Equis or Corona, whatever it is. I think we want to be in that kind of category, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So yeah, totally. yeah,
2: we're really working hard to make sure we can get there.
0: <laughs> it's so funny how, because when you said that, you know, traveling and, and, and eating local cuisine, but you would always find yourself at a at an Indian restaurant. I, I, it's so funny because it instantly made me think back to, my father growing up owned a, a business where he he had vending machines at at a mm-hmm. bunch of different places cool. and we would, we would go on vacation and I would catch him as we would go past a vending machine. He'd just give a kind of a quick side look, <laughs> see, see what they had in there, kind of look at what the prices were. I'm like, it, and it's just so funny how you kind of do that. Like I find myself looking at magazines, you know, that are,
2: that are out just to see, okay, well, how
0: are they doing this?
2: You know? that's our dad, Raj. That's 100% our, or 150% our dad, Raj, <laughs> to an extent where my mom's always like, how did your dad end up in the kitchen of this Indian restaurant talking to the <laughs> owner or chef? In like awesome. you know, In like Trinidad and Tobago or somewhere random, our dad always somehow, um, anywhere he goes and he sees an Indian restaurant, he'll pop in and introduce himself, give them like a business card, and then like find out that they were like connected through like some third degree somewhere in India. Um, yeah, 100. No, I totally understand what you're saying. It, it makes complete sense growing up in that space as well.
1: That's so cool.
0: That's great. Because it does, it also speaks to, you know, it's like, this is the job. But it's, there's also got to be some passion there to to yeah. be like, where'd he go? Oh, he's in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> more
2: true. Yeah, our dad's a very passionate guy. And for him, like Indian food is like his baby. It's his thing. It's, he's just so passionate about food. So I feel like a lot of that energy and zeal has come out on myself and also so much as well. So I think yeah, I think we wouldn't be in this world if we didn't have some of that in our DNA from the generation before us.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, even in going back to the the original question, like, how do you define success? I guess even like on a more, I guess, individual level versus like a business level, a good quote that I had recently heard, it was on another a podcast with, um I believe it was Jay Shetty. He had mentioned, you know, success for like a, in a way that I liked it a lot, he said, uh, trying to find your path, I guess, of for, to success. It's a, uh, what are you good at? Uh, what can mm-hmm. you make money doing? Um, mm-hmm. what do you, uh, are you, what do you love doing and how can you help others? So if you can find mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. doing those four things, uh, you set yourself up to, for success.
0: Yeah. That's I fantastic. love that last one too, because that, that can, that can kind of get lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. and it is, totally. it is so rewarding, you know?
1: Yeah. Cause you are making a difference. Yeah.
0: So one thing now, again, is it took me half of the episode to remember to ask where you got the name Rupee. Now I'm realizing we've been talking about your parents' restaurants uh, for the entire episode, and we've not asked where they are, what they're called, or anything like that. So maybe a quick shout-out for for them.
2: Yeah, so we opened uh, the state's first Indian restaurants in the 90s. Uh, Bombay Mahal is in Brunswick, Maine. That's been running for 32 years Um, From that, we also used to have Taste of India in Bangor, Maine. We sold that. And we also used to have Tandoor on Exchange Street in Portland, which we also Mm -hmm. sold. Um, So yeah, we had three specific restaurants. And even before that, um, our family was in the Indian restaurant business overseas in Europe. Um, Our parents actually used to live in Germany. And from there, when 89, when the Berlin Wall fell, they moved to England, where I was born. And then they made their way to Maine, of all places, and ended up in the restaurant trade here as well. So yeah, right now uh, Bombay Mahal in Brunswick, um, it's been running for for, for three decades, um, and yeah, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the space we've been in, and we've all growing up. We have another older brother, so in any you know at some capacity in any part of our lives, we've done it all from washing dishes down to bussing tables to make mm. beer money for the weekend. Um, <laughs> we've done it all, so we've all had um, our fair share of working in some capacity with the family business, mm-hmm. which has definitely taught us a lot.
0: Nice. Yeah. As, as someone who's worked in restaurants mm-hmm. for a little bit, that's, that's a hustle right there. It sure
2: that, is. You, it's a you hustle. Learn. Yeah. You also for 30 years, hard. we were open seven days a week. So it yeah. took our dad also many years of convincing him to say, I think we should probably close shop one day a week. But now <laughs> we're actually closed on Wednesdays and that was a three decade in the making process of wow. getting there. So, um, yeah, restaurant business is super hard work. I mean, even like our parents, like it's a late night business. So often, you know, when Sumit was younger, I would be babysitting him and, you know, like we'd and my parents obviously sometimes weren't able to attend various school functions because it is a, it's a hospitality, that kind of work. It was very, mm-hmm. yeah, you put in a lot of hours
1: mm-hmm. and yeah,
2: you're required to obviously, you know, stay late. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely saw our parents hustle a lot growing up and work really late hours since because it's a late night business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So another question that we always like to kind of finish up with because uh, we are admitted inspiration junkies. So we would like to ask both of you uh, who or what inspires you either personally or professionally.
2: Great question. I feel like there's a bunch of different things. I just get so much inspiration from travel. So I anytime I can get somewhere and just sort of get a fresh perspective, it brings me so much joy, it brings me so much clarity and it just inspires me to think of new ways and thinking in different ways. So Yeah, I think for me, inspiration is really directly tied to just being able to switch up my routine and be in a new location and talk to different types of people. I get energy from that.
3: Nice. Yeah, definitely. I would also say travel. Obviously, like I mentioned earlier, travel is a big part of our family, uh, traveling together, traveling individually. Um, But I would say uh, for the who, uh, I would definitely say my parents, uh, my mom and my dad, obviously just uh, having grown up in their restaurant business uh, since I was young. Um, seeing that the the hard work that they put in and mm-hmm. the uh, commitment that ha- that they had to their business um was definitely inspiring. definitely taught us a lot of values uh, revolving mm-hmm. around hard work and putting in the hours uh, to make yourself successful.
0: Mm. Yeah, that does it rubs off it does. You, you can't avoid it i I think.
3: Oh definitely. yeah.
0: Well, Van and Sumit, thank you so much for taking time out of your day for for talking with us and sharing with our listeners. We really do appreciate that. Want to make sure everyone goes to rupeebeer and mm-hmm. finds out where they can find Rupee Beer. But can you maybe give us a couple of examples of places around the southern Maine area where where folks can find your beer?
2: Yeah, we're pretty uh, distributed. We're pretty uh, you know distributed pretty well across the state of Maine. Anywhere as far as south from Kittery, all the way as far as north up to Bangor and Bar Harbor, Ellsworth. Oh, so we have pretty great uh, sort of distribution from various liquor stores, restaurants, bars, uh, a lot of food co-ops and food specialty stores as well. In and around the Portland area, you can find us in, yeah, pretty much any type of uh, sort of uh, alcohol sort of serving venue. Yeah, in, in wherever in the sort of greater Portland area you are, um, you should be able to find us and you can always email us directly or log on to our website to get more info on more specifically where specifically we're located. But we have around 65 plus different locations across wow. the state um, you can find us in. That's nice. awesome. Nice. And we're in Massachusetts and New Jersey as well. And we'll be launching in about five other new states coming up really soon. So That's stay good. tuned. Wow. <laughs>
1: congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks.
2: Yeah. That is A lot of work behind the scenes. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you again, uh, just again, for the, yes. your time and for, for what you're doing. And, and, you know, I'll make sure I have links to all of your social media pages and your website in the, web, uh, in the show notes. And, uh, we wish you great success in the coming years.
1: Yes. And I have no doubt that you guys will be a global sensation.
3: Amazing. Thank no you. so doubt. That feels so
1: great. Thank you. It. Thank no you.
0: doubt. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor and encourage you to check them out through the link in the show notes. And thank you again for listening.